Once again, as we said many times, probably the coldest place on earth is somewhere in Alaska. The second coldest place on earth is a church parking lot. And it's good to be inside, good to be together, and good to focus on this particular topic this morning, that is faithful church attendance. Faithful. This is kind of a, a week of reset. Good Lord willing, we'll have Brother Cliff to come with us and, and be in our gospel meeting tonight at 7, tomorrow night at 7, Tuesday night at 7. This is a good week of just resetting our mind, resetting our hearts, making sure we are right with the Lord. This morning, faithful church attendance. And I'm going to reset that for just a second. And I want to title it like this. Why, why do I want to attend and participate in every service and assembly of my local church family? Ain't that a mouthful? Why do I want to attend and participate in every assembly and service of my local church family. Okay. And I frame it that way uh, because one, I want to do what with you, what Isaiah 118 tells us to do. Isaiah 118 says, come let us reason together. Let's reason together. And then secondly, this is a personal decision. This is a personal decision. And the Bible makes it personal. Philippians 2.12, for instance, says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay. There's only one department of justice that I know of, and that's up in heaven. That's the throne of God. The Lord is our judge. Okay. If someone decides not to attend every service of the church, I don't know of any, any particular official that's going to come and, and forcibly drag someone to church. This is a personal decision. So I just ask myself, you can ask yourself, okay? You can just listen to me talk to myself this morning. Why should I, why do I, want to attend every service. Why? Well, first because I don't want to be involved in vain worship. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. I don't want to be involved in vain worship. You see the words of Jesus there? These people draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, teaching as their doctrines the commandments of men. Two major ways there that we can be involved in vain worship. We can worship not according to the truth. If we, if we worship not according to the truth, according to the commandments of men, we're involved in vain worship. But also, we can be involved in vain worship if our heart is far away and our lips are drawing nigh. In other words, if I profess faith in Christ and yet I don't really mean it, then I am involved in vain worship. Okay. The word vain means empty. It means meaningless. It means worthless. I don't want to be involved in that kind of worship. 
Okay? We just sang a song. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, Redeemer, pure as thou art. And yet we sing that song and, and don't try to, don't put forth the extra effort to come back on Wednesday night or come back on Sunday night. What's up with that? I mean, do we really understand what we are professing there? Oh, to be like who? Oh, to be like Christ. Okay. Did Christ go to any trouble for us? Did He? Did, did not He leave heaven and come to this earth out of His own will? Out of His own mind and heart, He did that. Did He not come and allow Himself to be tortured on our behalf? Did He not take our shame upon Him on the cross? Didn't He, didn't he suffer, bleed, and die? Didn't He inconvenience Himself? Didn't He go to at least a little extra trouble in order for us to have the possibility of salvation. We know that he did. And then am I going to sing that song, Oh, to be like thee, and then not give an extra effort to be back at every assembly and not give the extra effort to support my own local church family? See, I don't want to be involved in vain worship. That's why I want to. The Lord gives me the ability. If he, if he blesses me with the wherewithal, I want to be at every assembly possible. The second reason I want to be at every assembly is because I've got a, I've got a new way of doing things. I've got a new way of doing things. You see, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ... And I believe I'm in Christ, okay? I was baptized into Christ several years ago. Many of you have too. Based on your belief and your repentance and your confession, you were immersed in water for the remission of sins. That puts you into Jesus Christ, into a walking relationship uh, with Him. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he's a new creation, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I've got a new way of doing things. That's why I'm at every assembly. I've got a new way of doing things. Now I seek first the kingdom of God. In my former life, probably not. But now I've got a new way of doing things. I'm seeking, I've got, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. I've got a new set of priorities. I've got a new set of values. Now the most important thing in my life is to get to heaven. Now the most important thing in my life is to honor God. Now the most important thing in my life is to help other people do the same thing. See, it's a whole new set of values. Now, it may be for any of us, it may, the old set of values might have been, the most important thing might have been golf, or it might have been work, or it might have been friends, okay? Or, or it might have been whatever's, pleasing me at the time, or it might, it might have been ball games, or it might have been fishing or hunting, or it might, it might have been my, my truck or my car. It would be a number of things, but now I've got a new way of doing things. And the most important thing now is the kingdom of God. The most important thing now is to get to heaven. The most important thing now is to honor, honor God. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, We were once darkness, but now we're the children of light. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's got a new way of, of doing things. We used to sing with the pew packers this little song. 
There's been a great change. Been a great change since I was born again. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. Why? There's been a great change since I've been born again. Been a great change since I've been born again. That's why every assembly is important. And then in the third place, third place, I want to attend every assembly of the church because God commands it. God commands it. Who am I? Who am I? I'm just created. I'm one of God's created people. I'm, I'm, uh, he's the potter. I'm the clay. Who am I to say anything? He commands it. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Hebrews 10, verse 25. The inspired writer says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. The English Standard Version says there, As the habit of some is. As the habit of some is. Very clear, some in those early days, as today, as in our day, but some in those early days had the habit of just not being there. And God says, don't do that. Now, if that's not direct enough for you, just keep reading in Hebrews 10, 25, and let yourself go on down to verse 26. He says, if we keep on sinning deliberately... There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Did you know that? Did you, did you know that you can take yourself out of the safety of the blood of Jesus? It's a terrible consequence, but it's, it's something that you can choose to do. If we keep on sinning deliberately, Hebrews 10, 26, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. What else can God do? He has given us his son. He's given us his son as an example for us to encourage, to motivate, to inspire. Okay. There remaineth nothing else God can do for us if we keep on sinning deliberately. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But keep re reading there in Hebrews 10. Notice what does remain. What does remain is a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Now, which side do you want to be on? You want to be on the side of keeping on, trying your very best and being faithful to God, which includes the assemblies of the church, or do you want to draw yourself away from the safety of the blood of Jesus and just be standing there expecting a certain fearful judgment? Commanded of God. Now, attached to this commandment, still on the commandment aspect here, I want to go to every assembly because God commands me. But attached to this commandment is a certain spirit, a certain spirit, a certain attitude. We see this in, in uh, the early days of the church, Acts 2.42. It says that those who were obedient to the gospel, they continued. Notice that, Acts 2.42. They continued, continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And then notice Acts 2.46, and day by day they came together where they were meeting there in the temple area. Day by day they came together. Why do they keep coming together day by day? Why would you do that? Because they were so excited about their newfound faith. You see, the 
for us, faith becomes old. Okay? It becomes worn out. It becomes humdrum. It becomes been there, done that. But they were so excited about their newfound faith, they couldn't help themselves but to come together and assemble and to keep learning and keep inspiring each other. That's why, that's why right there, God commands it. You see? It's the spirit of Psalm 122, verse 1, where David says, Psalm 122 and verse 1, he says, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, no, I wasn't mad about it. I wasn't sad about it. Are you sad about being at church? Are you sad about being at church? Are you mad about it? David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You see, God commands in two major ways. And let's get this. God commands in two major ways. First, by direct statement, just like we read in Hebrews 10, direct statement. But also God commands by approved examples. And these examples of those early days of the church are for our learning. The question is, have we become what they became? Have we become what they became? So I want to go to every assembly I possibly can. The good Lord willing, because God commands it. And then fourth, in the fourth place, I want to do this because I don't want to insult God. I do not want to insult God. just don't want to do it. Do you know what the word contempt means? Do you know what the word contempt means? It means to disregard something that is valuable. It means to disregard something that is valuable. Further, it means to look at someone or something and consider them beneath your consideration. That's it right there. That's contempt. To look at someone... I've been looked this way many times. To look at someone as if they or this circumstance is beneath my consideration. That's insulting. That's insulting. That, that's contempt. That's what that is. Let's see if we can think about it for just a second. Suppose, suppose you're asked to be the best man at a Saturday afternoon wedding. And so the wedding's planned, but you don't show up. And later you're questioned about it and you say, well, that's my only day off. And, or maybe you say, well, that's, I just hadn't had a chance to relax lately and so, sorry dude, I just, I just had to relax. Or maybe you say, well, I had intended to come. I, I had everything picked out. And somebody called and said, well, uh, we've got a little birthday celebration over here. Or um, I had some friends drop, drop in on me, some family members drop. I hadn't seen them in a long time. So I just wasn't able to make it. Okay. Now, we would properly say that's contempt. That's insulting. You have made, you made the agreement that at, if, if at all possible, you would be there. That's insulting. Okay. 
You say, well, I haven't made no agreement with God. You haven't. What do you think the good confession's all about? What do you think that's all about? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Now watch it. If you say yes, that's your lifelong, eternal long agreement. That's your agreement. Suppose a man asks, do I have to go home to my family every night? Do I have to go home to my family every night? Well, how insulting is that? Is that not contemptible toward his family? Isn't that insulting toward his family? Isn't that insulting toward his role in his family? Isn't that, in reality, insulting to God? In fact, for a Christian to ask, do I have to stop there? In regard to God and his word and his commands, if a Christian asks, do I have to, something is up. There's something wrong deep down. Deep down. Do I have to be at every service? Really? Hebrews 6 and verse 6 says that those who are unfaithful crucify afresh the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Another word for shame right there in Hebrews 6 verse 6 is the word contempt. Contempt. In other words, I have just dismissed the crucifixion of Jesus. As far as I'm concerned, he can be crucified several times if, it, if, it, if need be. That is just beneath my consideration whatsoever. See, I don't want to insult God. And then the fifth place, tell you why I want to be at every assembly that I possibly can, is, is I want to learn all that I can learn. I want to learn all that I can learn. If you think that I think that somehow I have a, um, some sort of great uh, peculiar insight into knowledge, if you think somehow I've got a cap on knowledge, then you're sadly mistaken. I rely on my brethren. I love my brethren. I rely on being here. I learn so much from the prayers that are led. I learn so much from the scriptures that are, that are read. I learn so much from the songs that are selected. I, I learn so much from comments that are made in class. I learn from listening to other people. You see, Proverbs 27, 17 says, as, as iron sharpens iron. Okay. Now, I know that sounds southern. That's the best way I can say the word iron. It's just me. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's how it is. I come because I want to learn all that I can learn. You think somehow that it just, it just, it just develops within me because I open my eyes one morning and you've got another thing coming. Any good teacher is the same way. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there at that midnight sermon? Wouldn't you have loved to have been there at that midnight sermon, you know, the one in Troas, you know, the one we read about in Acts 20, verses 7 through 12, and Paul preached to midnight. It kind of gets overshadowed by the fact that Paul raised a young man from the dead. But man, what a sermon that must have been. 
Think about all we might have been able to learn in that midnight sermon. Let's suppose this. Suppose that in coming together for an assembly, you learn one fact every time you come together. Just one fact. Just one. Now for those who are faithful, that would be four facts a week, right? If you think about Sunday morning Bible class, Sunday morning worship, Sunday evening worship, Wednesday night Bible class, that, that would be four facts a week. For Sunday morning only, that would be one fact a week. Stretch that over a 10-year period, and here's what you got. Those who seek to attend every assembly of the church would have learned 2,080 facts, and those Sunday morning only would learn 520 facts. Now, who do you think is growing to maturity faster? Who do you think would be more ready to share the gospel? Who do you think is more ready to face the Lord in judgment? You see, I, I come to everyone that I can come to because I've got, I've got a lot to learn. I've got a lot to learn. I want to learn all that I can. And then number six, I believe it is, number six, because, because I want to help other people if I can. The assemblies of the church are designed in a unique way to, to encourage each other. Running back to Hebrews 10, 24, we see it clearly in the context of assembly there. He says, and consider one another to provoke one another unto love and good works. Okay. Don't forsake your assembling of yourselves together as manner some is, but exhort one another so much, to, so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's a unique opportunity to encourage one another. You, all you got to do is be here and participate and you, you're encouraging. Think about Colossians 3.16 as we've seen. And think about Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Jesus, or word of Christ, dwell in you richly. Teaching, and notice what you're doing as you're saying. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. Look at all that you're sharing Look at all that you're doing. Look at all the uplifting that you're doing. Simply just being here and singing. And being here and helping others expresses the I can too principle. I can too. Don't ever think that your influence is small when you come to church. Okay. Young folks, teenagers, when you're coming and you're faithful in attendance, you are giving a great encouragement to those who are older. Because as, as, as the world continues to stand, we don't know how long it's going to stand, but as long as time keeps on going, then we want the church to be filled with strong Christians and young folks, you give encouragement to those around you. And of course, the older folks do too. Oh, we're so thankful for our older folks. It gives such, and it gives such an inspiration to, the, to those who are younger to see that in spite of several health challenges, okay, in spite of a lot of challenges in life, then here you are, 
And that makes those who are younger say, I can too. If she can, then I can. Okay. When was it? Was it last year or February of last year or February, year before? But here we were on Wednesday night and the snow was just starting to get heavier and heavier and the wind was blowing, temperatures were dropping. And I was standing about right there and I look out and here comes Eulene Logan walking in. And you think I'm going, I'm going, you think I'm going to see that and then choose not to come? You've got to be nuts. One of the things that really helped our family as we were bringing up our girls was, was the example of Brother and Sister Maynard from Minnesota. How many health challenges? You just don't know. You think you know. You don't know a thing. Each of them have a list longer than any of us have of health challenges. But they would not quit until they just had to quit. I can too. You see, we're here with our little ones. That inspires those who just got married and said, yep, when we have kids, we can do it too. It's the I can too ideal. Now, on the other hand, the absence is quite devastating. Now, I want to come so that I can help, maybe encourage. But to not come, those of you who may not come, let us tell you that it's quite devastating and it's disheartening. Not that to the point that any of us are going to quit. Not that we're going we're to go home and, and just be sad, but it is sad in a, situ, in a sense. And when you come and you know there are some who have just simply chosen not to be here, it's discouraging. It's, it causes you to feel downhearted. And then finally this morning, I want to be here every time because I want my children to go to heaven. All of this that we have said, from vain worship to learning, etc., needs to be applied to our children and taught to our children. Every bit of it. And if we, by our example, do not follow... God in a faithful way, we are teaching our children that there is something more important than God. We are, by our example, teaching our children that God can put, be put in the second place or third place or fourth place or fifth place. That's what we're teaching. Train up a child in the way he should go. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. And that's all we wanted to do this morning is to say this is a personal decision. It's time to reset our lives before God. And it's time to take God's word and reason together. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation this morning, will you please come as we stand together, as we sing, Brother Aaron.